Greensboro. It is so good to be here this morning. I'm so glad to be with y'all. If, uh, if you're new or new in the last few months, uh, uh, my name is Alex, and you might not know that uh, we have two campuses, one down here in Pittsburgh and one up in North Chatham, and Jaime is primarily here at Pittsburgh, and I'm primarily at North Chatham, and every couple months they allow me south of the hall, not very often. But they allow me south of the hall. So occasionally we switch. And so today is a switch day. It is just so great to be here with some old friends and reconnect and then see some new faces as well. If you're brand new today, welcome, welcome, a special welcome to you. What we're all about at Chatham Community Church is really, really simple. It's just about connecting, connecting people to God, connecting people to each other. So together we can engage our world for good the way that God designed us to. We hope you experience a little bit of all those things here this morning. This is week four of our series called Spiritual Power in Everyday Places. If you're just joining us, the whole premise behind this whole series is this. Jesus, several times in the course of his ministry, says to his followers, you're going to have spiritual authority, and most of us have no idea what that means. But this is church, so let's play a, let's play a game. Let's pretend Jesus knows what he's talking about, okay? We're in church, we'll do that, okay? Let's pretend Jesus knows what he's talking about, that there's a thing called spiritual authority that he gives us and that we're gonna need it. So here's the premise for the whole series, okay? What if in Jesus, because of Jesus, only by Jesus' name, we're gonna talk more about this, that's all through and in by Jesus, you are more powerful than you now know. And some of you think you're pretty awesome already. Whereas others of you, you can't imagine actually being an instrument of power. But what if it's true? Like, what if you are wired up to have more power and, and more ability, especially in Jesus, than you count now so you know? But here's the deal. You need to know it. You need to see it. You need to start grappling with it. In part because you are up against more and a different kind of opposition than you can now see or know. Like, what if your biggest problem in your life is not your in-laws? What if your biggest challenge in life is not your extended family member that drives you crazy, that voted differently than you do or whatever? What if the biggest problem in your life, biggest challenge in your life actually isn't just so the person or your boss or your job situation? What if there's a spiritual layer to the things that you're up against? You need to know that God's given you authority, power, more than you know because you're up against more and a different kinds of opposition than you know and because God has wired you up to make a bigger and different kind of difference than you can now see or no, like what if the most important thing in your life is not your career, not how much money you make, not even how great your family is, and I love families, and I got a big family, and all that kind of stuff. What if actually, what if actually God has wired you up to make a different kind of difference in this world, a bigger difference, and more, and, and because, because there's spiritual work to be done, and things that we're up against, that God said, I'm going to give you authority to drive back darkness, spiritual darkness, and to release more light, more grace, more truth into this world that is covered with all kinds of spiritual opposition. Now, if this is new to you or sounds a little weird, welcome to the club. It sounds weird to all of us. Like almost none of us grew up with kind of fluency in these areas or no understanding these areas. So we're just, all we're doing is taking Jesus seriously and the scriptures seriously. That there is spiritual darkness in the world and that God has wired us up and equipped us in Jesus' name to actually push that darkness back and introduce more light. And to be 100% clear, we are not saying every problem is because of a demon, okay? We're not saying a demon behind every problem, every corner, whatever. There are all kinds of problems in this world that require all kinds of different solutions. Some problems are due to ignorance. We need education. Some problems are due to viruses or bugs. We need medicine. And some problems are due to spirit or have a spiritual layer to them. And so we're called to bring authority of Jesus to bear in these places. My friends, 
what if the, in the problems that you're up against in your life, what if there's a spiritual layer to them that won't ever be solved until you bring the spiritual authority Jesus has given you to push back that spiritual layer and bring in God's light? That's what we're drilling down into over the course of this series. It's been super fun. It's been super crazy. And the passage we're looking at today is one of the craziest passages in the whole Bible. Super fun. I'm looking forward to doing this all week long. It's be great. We're in Acts chapter 19. If you're new to the Bible, so glad that you're here. Uh, Acts is the first book after Jesus' death and resurrection, ACTS. It just describes what happens after Jesus' resurrection. Like the disciples go around starting all these new churches. This whole new Jesus movement starts to explode across the Mediterranean area. And so Paul is traveling around and he's starting new churches at different places. And Paul is a good Jew. And everywhere he goes, he steps into a Jewish synagogue and opens up the scriptures and tries to teach them and convince his fellow Jews about this man named Jesus, who was the fulfillment of the Jewish Old Testament prophecies and scriptures. And so in Acts 19, we're going to pick up and look at a few key verses. Again, here's Acts 19, starting in verse 8. Here is kind of Paul, where he starts, as he always does. Paul entered the synagogue, spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left I was talking with someone last week about this whole series, and she's retired and has got an adult son that grew up in the church but has walked away from faith. And she was saying that one of the things that this whole series has done is helped her to pray differently for her child, right? That, that if there's a spiritual layer to this person, this kid not coming to faith or coming back to faith, she's been praying differently. Now, the scriptures teach a couple of different things about sort of uh, people coming to faith and kind of spiritual opposition, the spiritual layer to it. So here's a couple things about people that we're praying for. Some of us are praying and longing for God to move. Here's a couple things that scriptures teach. One, there are personal spiritual beings, we'll call them demons, that are actively working against people responding to Jesus, and we're invited to pray. We're invited to pray against them. Jesus tells this crazy parable. He says, uh, a farmer goes out to sow seed, and the seed he later interprets as the word of God, the truth of God, the good news about God's kingdom. And it falls on different soils. And one of the soils that the seed falls on, some birds come and snatch it away. And later Jesus interprets, here's who the birds are. The birds are the evil one who comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. That is that There are people that you and I know, those of us who are Jesus people, who are praying for friends and family members, there are people in our lives that we'd love to respond to the scripture, but the evil one comes, and and they know the gospel, they heard it, even even if you share your story, comes and snatches it away. Now, a couple weeks ago, we looked at a passage of scripture where Jesus invited his followers to pray this thing called binding and loosing prayers, that you might pray in the power of, of, the, of in Jesus' name, to bind up, that is to sort of prohibit something from happening, and loosing prayers is setting loose God's spirit, God's power in a place. So he invites us to pray. We talked about praying, binding and loosing prayers. So here's a, here's a prayer I want to invite you to try out this week for those of us who've got family members, friends that we're praying for. I want to invite you to bind the birds. Amen. Bind the birds. I bind the birds, the evil one who would come against it in Jesus' name so the good news might take root in people that I love. Wouldn't that be a great prayer? Who could you, who, who could you bless this week with that kind of a prayer? I do, I, I, every Sunday morning, I do little prayer walks around our facility. This morning, I was praying on the space that the Lord would bind the birds, that nothing would snatch away. Whatever good news, God wants to take root in your heart. Bind the birds, my friends. Invite you to step in, pray boldly, 
in Jesus' name to bind the birds so that nothing would snatch away the good news of God's grace and God's mercy that he wants to pour out in his people. So we're invited to pray uh, over and against spiritual opposition that would rob our friends and family of knowing the good news. And the other thing the scriptures teach along with that is this crazy piece of reality that is human beings are the only things on earth that do not perfectly obey Jesus every single time. Human beings, only things on earth that do not obey Jesus every single time. Throughout Jesus' life, he says to demons, go away, they go. He says to wind, stop, it stops. Waves, be still, they're still. He goes to broken eyes and hands and feet. He says, be healed, they're healed. Everything on earth responds and obeys perfectly to Jesus' commands except us humans. And you see this today in the passage that we're looking at, right? The passage we're looking at today, Acts, 18, Acts 19, here's what happens, right? Some of the people that Paul's preaching to became obstinate. They dug in. They refused to believe, and they publicly maligned the way. Obstinate, refused. If you've raised a toddler, a teenager, or cared for a 90-year-old, you know these three verbs, right? These three adjectives, right? People dig in. And this is Paul. Paul is super tuned in to spiritual dynamics. He's there for three months. And we, can, we believe, we can just trust that if there's any spiritual layer to this, Paul's awake to it, praying against it. He's binding the birds, pushing back darkness, and praying that this no spirit would kind of hijack or, or keep people from responding. And yet, you can peel back a spiritual layer for, uh, over and against people. And do, you, and, and do you know what's still remaining? People. And you know what people are? Messy. Not you, of course, you're perfect. But out there, people, they're messy. And some of us get dug in and obstinate, and some of us resist and push away. And so while we are praying that the Lord might bind the birds, that there might not be any spiritual opposition to the good news, the great love of God taking root in people's heart, while we're praying those binding the birds prayers, there's another prayer that we're invited to prayer, which is more that God would touch our, instead of our hearts and our minds, and that is, Holy Spirit, would you please Soften hearts, open minds, surround people with the people we love with other people who are praying faithfully. One of my prayers for my family members that don't know the Lord or are far from the Lord, I pray they might have dreams, that the Lord might appear to them in dreams, or they would have dreams that are disturbing or unsettling or just awakening, that there's a spiritual layer and a thing that they're missing out on. We're invited to pray that the Lord might bind up the spiritual layer of opposition, but it's not just a spiritual layer, right? That the Lord invites us to pray that the Spirit might work from the inside out to open people up. And so I want to invite you this week, those of us who've been praying and praying and praying for family members or friends that are far from the Lord, I want to invite you to pray both these prayers and see what the Lord might do. Paul's praying those things, and yet the people are still obstinate. They're still resistant. So here's what Paul does. Paul says, okay, uh, I'm going to leave you. He takes the disciples with him, and they go to this lecture hall, and they're there for two years, over and over. He says there every day, proclaiming the good news, all, and, and what it says is all the Jews and all the Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord in this way. So this, is, this wasn't Paul's plan A, right? Paul's plan A was the synagogue, but you know who's in the synagogue? Only Jews. Very, very few Greeks are in the synagogue. Only the Jews. So when Paul gets booed out of the synagogue and booted out of the synagogue, Paul goes to plan B, but it turns out plan B is actually better than plan A because Jews and Greeks now are hearing the word of God. See, sometimes where you start out is not where you end up, amen? 
And sometimes what, you, sometimes what you end up doing is better than what you wanted to do in the first place. Sometimes what you wanted to do in the beginning has to get redirected to a different path and a different place. And sometimes by God's grace, where you end up is better than what you wanted to do initially. It doesn't always happen that way, right? Sometimes plan B is a really hard plan B. But the only way forward, when plan A doesn't work out, follow the Spirit, surrender to the Lord, say, Jesus, what's next? And let's keep moving, right? Paul pivots to plan B. Two years, all the Jews, all the Greeks come to know the word of the Lord. So he's there for two years, lecturing daily. And part of what God does while he's there, lecturing daily for two years, is Paul, uh, the Lord does amazing things through Paul, Paul called miracles, extraordinary miracles, right? God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. I got a couple people in my life that when they walk into the room, they change the temperature. They bring a different energy. Sometimes they're playful and fun and loud. Sometimes they're quiet and warm, welcoming, hospitable. I hope you have people in your life that when they walk in the room, changes the temperature. Paul walks into the room, into the city. He changes the spiritual temperature. And part of what God does through him is these crazy miracles, handkerchiefs, aprons. They touch Paul. They touch the sick. Lives are changed. People are healed. Now, some of us look at that with a little bit like of suspicion. I totally get that. You're skeptical that this is how it works. Let me just speak to why I think you should trust this, why you should at least be open to trusting this. Here's why. The scriptures are brutally honest about what doesn't work, right? Paul goes to synagogue. People reject him, right? It, it, it tells the stories of the failures of the disciples, the failures of the apostles, the places where people reject and don't take it. The scriptures are painfully like, honest and, and brutally honest about the, the character flaws of the people. It's not, a, it's not a, like a, a glorious story up until the right all the time. So here's why I think you should believe it. If the scriptures are going to be honest about the bad, it's also honest about the good. It's brutally honest. It's just telling the story of what actually happened. And so... I invite you to at least be open to what's happening here in the story. Now, throughout the book of both Acts and all four biographies we have of Jesus, there's all kinds of miracles and signs and wonders. But here's really, this is really important to understand about why or what's happening with the signs and wonders. The miracles are not just sideshows. They're not just magic tricks. Here's what's happening throughout the scriptures with Jesus and the book of Acts. The reason why miracles are happening is they're either opening a door for the gospel or the kingdom to be proclaimed, or they're authenticating what just was said, right? So what God's doing whenever there's a miracle is opening the door for a conversation or explanation about God or affirming what that person just said, it's true. Here's God's power. Here's God's favor. Look, if God's healing someone through this person, that person is a, that person is a, a faithful messenger, right? Telling the truth about God and about the kingdom. So some of, us, some of us are here. Maybe some of you are here and you're not a Jesus person. Here's my hope. Here's my prayer for you. Sometimes you need an experience of God before you have a conversation about God, right? Sometimes you need an experience of God that opens the door and paves the way to have a conversation about God or an explanation about God. Some of you here, not a Jesus person, not a religious person, not a God person. We are so, so glad you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My prayer for you is that you have an experience here that awakens you. Worship, food, drink, hospitality, welcome, 
scriptures. My prayer is not that you have a cognitive kind of understanding, although I'm glad to sort of have that conversation with you whenever you want. My prayer, first and foremost, is you have a sense that God's presence is here and that it wakes you up to a larger spiritual world that you're invited into. Experience of God opens the way for an explanation about God. Again, some of us are in relationship with people who don't know God, and we have coworkers or friends or family members, and we think we have to have all the answers right, or we got to figure out how to make sure we have all our, like, understand kind of what they're up against or whatever. And listen, study, be ready to answer questions, know how to share your story, invite people to church, all good things. But maybe the person you are hungry and eager to see come to know the Lord, maybe the way that's going to open the door is they have an experience of God first before you talk them into anything. And if you're someone who is kind of in a relationship with somebody who's far from God and you long for them to come to the Lord, maybe what you need to be bold is saying, particularly if they're going through a hard time or a difficult time, maybe you need to be bold in saying to them, you know what? I know it's a hard time. I tell you what, I'm praying for you. I'm praying two things. One, I'm praying for a good resolution, right? You're kid's sick, praying for the kid to get well. You lost your job, praying for a good job. So I'm praying for good resolutions to your situation. And here's the other thing I'm praying for you. I'm praying for peace that makes no sense from God. What if, what, if, what if instead of trying to explain God's presence, what if you just prayed God's presence and let's see what God does? What if that person experienced peace? That made no sense. Experience of God sometimes opens the door for conversation about God. This is what Jesus does. This is what Paul does. These miracles are happening, and that paves the way and authenticates and sort of validates everything that Paul's saying, that God's at work through this man and through this messenger. And that's something for us to be awake to as we think about sharing our own faith and being a part of God's kingdom moving forward in the world. Now, in the midst of all, Paul doing all those amazing things, other people take notice, right? And there's this great, beautiful little story uh, about what happens when people try to use Jesus' name, but don't actually want to follow or know Jesus. That's picking up in verse 13. Some Jews went around driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of the Lord, Jesus, over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. All right, so there were people in the ancient times who would sell exorcisms, right? You, get, you, think, you're, you think you got a demon in your house or your kid, they would sell kind of, we'll, we'll come over and we'll drive out that demon. And the, pagan, the, the pagans who would do this, they would get the name of every god they could find. And they would, they would use every god they possibly could because pagans like covering their bases, right? They have lots of gods and they would just cast out demons under, using all the names. And so they're using the Jesus name too. Now, these are actually Jews doing this. So they're not pagans, but apparently they're operating under the same kind of mentality. We're going to use whatever name we can to cast out whatever demon we can. So, uh, so they say, hey, Paul's doing this. He's driving out demons using Jesus' name. Let's try that too. It can't hurt, can it? Or maybe it's going to in just a few minutes. But before we get to that, a couple of things. First off, we don't know if it worked. Right? We don't know if, if them drive. In fact, in the Gospels, at one point, the disciples come across people who are using Jesus' name to cast out demons, and they, they try to stop them. They say, we stopped them, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, 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 don't stop them. Whoever's not, whoever's not against us is for us. Like, it's okay. So let's just, like, assuming in that situation, those are actually people who are Jesus' followers, and they're actually using Jesus' name, Jesus' authority to cast out demons. That's a great thing. We don't know if it works for these guys or not. We do know that they're not actually Jesus' followers. They actually haven't surrendered to Jesus. They're actually not Christians. They're just out doing magic shows, right? But the one thing that they do right, one thing they do well is they actually declare Jesus' name out loud. 
Right? In the name of Jesus, cast out demons. Because here's the thing. Like, demons, spiritual forces can't read your mind. Like, God knows everything. God can hear your mind. God can hear your thoughts. But a demon doesn't know your thoughts. So you have to actually speak it out loud. If you're going to take up authority over and against some sort of spiritual opposition, you have to actually say it out loud. This is how the, this is how the Bible works. God speaks, and things are made. And then he makes us in his image. And he says, I want you to use words to create things, to create beauty. And so here's the deal. Marriages are built on words. Banks businesses, countries, economies, peace treaties, all built on words. Jesus comes, he's the living word. And then he says, I'm gonna give you authority and I want you to use living words to push back spiritual darkness to create beauty, goodness, order, push back any spiritual opposition you come up against. So we have to say it out loud. That's a part of the practices. But these guys aren't Christians. They're not interested in being Christians. They just want power and they just wanna do a magic trick. And so here, of course, is what happens. Verse 15 one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who the beep are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating, they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. See, we can't use the spiritual power and authority of Jesus if we're not surrendered to the power and authority of Jesus. You can't use the spiritual power and authority of Jesus like a tool or a weapon that you kind of use for a while and then put aside, you're either surrendered to that or you're not. Look, look, the first great mantra of the Christian tradition, the church, Jesus is Lord. That's what the whole thing's about. It's the whole game. Jesus is Lord means you're not Lord, not even over your own little life. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord means death isn't Lord. Not even death is Lord. Death has been conquered by Jesus, who is Lord. Jesus is Lord means that politics is not Lord. Thank goodness, even especially in election year especially in election year, where we're going to try to hold together a community that votes differently because Jesus is Lord, not politics. And we're going to keep beating that drum all of 2024 because otherwise this whole thing falls apart. Because when we worship politics over Jesus, the whole thing falls apart, which is what's happening right now in real time, right? What's going to make us different as Christians? Jesus is Lord, not our political party. Money isn't Lord. Jesus is Lord. You climbing the corporate ladder, not Lord. Jesus is Lord. You getting off the grid, people leaving you alone, doing whatever you want to, is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. That is either, that's true, that Jesus is Lord. It is either the best news you've ever heard, or it will be the worst news you will ever hear. But to everyone who joyfully submits to the good news that Jesus is Lord and nothing else is, he stamps us with his name pours out his spirit and says, you have authority to go drive out demons and create beauty and justice and glory and grace and truth and love wherever I send you. And if you're gonna try to use Jesus' name without coming under his authority, there will be things that go sideways, including maybe getting beat up and hopefully not naked and bleeding. That would be embarrassing. But we can't use sort of this thing as a plaything is either true or it's not. We either surrender to it or it overcomes us. Now, as crazy and kind of, kind of uh, obviously kind of uh, explosive and kind of funny, all those things, in this, as, as that is, what actually happens on the other side is actually part of what's authentic about it. It's part of what's beautiful about it. The fruit of this. Here's the fruit of this. Here's what happens on the other side of this crazy experience. Verse 17. When this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor because sometimes you got to see uh, fake authority to know real authority. 
Many of those who believed, we're going to come back to that, now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number of those who believed had practiced sorcery, brought the scrolls together, and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. A drachma was a silver coin worth one day's wages. 50,000 days' wages burned in one day. These sorcery scrolls. In this way, we're going to back to that a little bit, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. You know, one of the questions that comes up all the time as we talk about spiritual authority and all those sort of things is what about the things I'm praying for that God doesn't answer? That you would think God would want, right? Healing for a kid or a beloved family member or whatever, right? What do we do with that? How do we kind of sit in that tension? And so there's no easy answer to that, right? All, all we know is this. Jesus is Lord. We request the Lord to do something. He's still Lord. And in his mercy and in his wisdom and in the mystery of it all, not, we don't get everything we want, Right? even the good things. And so we submit our request to the Lord in the truest sense of the word submission. Like, I surrender. I want this, but you know better than I know what your purposes are. And so I surrender that to the Lord. So there's a lot of mystery around that. And again, there's not an easy short answer to that. But there is a, a prayer I want to invite you to pray. The prayer I want to invite you to pray as we talk about spiritual authority and spiritual power is this. Lord, is there anything I could do to release more of your power through me? Would you pray that with me? Would you repeat it with me? Lord, is there anything I could do to release more of your power through me? Now, we talked about how miracles and signs and wonders sometimes open the door for new people, non-Christians, to come to faith and see Jesus. But in this story, it's really important to see the people who, are, who, who respond to the miracle and hear about the sons of Sceva and all that happened. It's not the non-Christians who respond. You see, did you catch who it is? Who it is? Many of those who believed. You know who those are? Those are Christians. Many of those who believed. And what do they do? They come and they have these sorcery scrolls and they burn them. You know who this is? This is people just like me and just like you who are half in Jesus and half in the world, right? I'm half in on Jesus and I still want these sorcery scrolls. I'm half in on Jesus, and I still want to have my own way with my career or my unhealthy relationships or my little practices that nobody knows about, right? I'm in on Jesus-ish mostly, except where I have to give something up that I, that I care about or that matters to me. These are Christians, just like you and me, who have something else that's giving them what they think they want, power, prestige, attention, what applause. Maybe they're making money off this. And they come face to face with the story of the sons of Sceva, and they realize, I can't play at Jesus anymore. If Jesus is Lord, that means I have to give him everything. And so I'm going to burn these scrolls because I don't want to be half in on Jesus and half in on something else anymore. I'm going to be all in on Jesus. I meet with people all the time. Lunch, coffee, I love that. If you want to get together, I love doing that. I'm an extrovert. I love hanging out with people. And one of the things I always ask is, tell me your story. Tell me your story. The difference for so many people who are just going through religious motions, I've done church, blah, 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 but it's not that integrated in their lives. No power, no beauty, no prayer. It's not actually transformative. The difference between people who are just going through religious motions and the people who have an integrated, dynamic, spiritual life often comes down to the question, when they hit the fork in the road, are you willing to surrender something that matters to you to Jesus? The question is, if the people who didn't make that surrender don't have the integrated, dynamic faith, the people who do. There's going to come a point in your life, there's going to come a point in your life where there's something that matters to you, is valuable to you, that you love, and Jesus is going to say, I want you to hand that over 
to me. Will you say yes? Will you say yes? Sometimes I've said no and kicked that can for days, for weeks, for months, for years. Just kind of pushing Jesus off, pushing Jesus off, pushing Jesus off. I thought I needed to have this. I thought this was so important. I thought this was so valuable. And yet, Jesus is persistent. He's gracious. He loves you too much to get away with you keeping one foot in Jesus and one foot in door in the world. He keeps pursuing you and pursuing and pursuing. Jesus is Lord. And this morning, if you got one foot in Jesus, one foot in something else in the world, he's saying to you, I love you too much to leave you alone. I'm going to keep hounding you for the rest of your life because I love you too much to let you live in two worlds. One of my prayers for Chatham Community Church for like the last year and a half is that we would be a spiritually disruptive force across Chatham County. Our little community, our little church, that we would literally change the spiritual atmosphere all across Chatham County. What if, what if, what if, what if, by God's grace, man, more grace, more truth, more love, more renewal, more revival was poured out all across Chatham County, corner to corner, through our community. What if God in his power would pour more power through us to break every chain, to end cycles of addiction and end cycles of abuse? What if God in his kindness and mercy would introduce more repentance and renewal and revival? What if people who are barely alive spiritually, who are cut off, who are angry, who are cynical, who are depressed, who are anxious, what if the Lord would lift those fears, lift those anxieties, lift that anger? What if he would induce love, grace, truth, wisdom, power? What if the Lord would change the economic situation, the relationships? What if God would heal families that are broken and distraught? What if God would do something brand, brand new to be a spiritual disruptive force all the way across Chatham County? One of the ways that might happen is signs and wonders. God doing amazing things through us out there in the community because sometimes people need an experience of God in order to be open to an explanation about God. But maybe, just maybe, my friends, Maybe what's going to happen out there is going to start right here with you and me. As those of us who are half in, half out, say, I'm going all in on Jesus, even if it means I got to leave something behind that I think really, really matters to me right now. When this happens, there, the city of Ephesus, the believers hear about what happened with the sons of Sceva. They take these scrolls. And they burned them. And here's what happens on the other side of that story. What happens on the other side of that story is this verse 20. In this way, in what way? In this way. What does this way mean? In this way, that means when, as Christians who were half in, half out, went all in on Jesus. In this way, when Christians repented and sort of said, I'm not going to try to live half in, in Jesus, half in, in the world. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in what? When Christians who were half in went all in, it released new power. Changed the whole town. Ephesus was totally turned upside down by people repenting of their sin. Christians, not non-Christians, Christians who said, I love Jesus, and I've loved this other thing too, and it's time for me to give it up. It's time for me to lay it down. One answer to the question, Lord, is there anything I could do to release more of your power through me? For some of you, the answer is this. Lord, is there anything I can do to release more of your power through me? For some of you, the answer is there's something you're holding on to that's clogging the spiritual arteries. God is standing over you. He's ready to pour more of his Holy Spirit into your life, more of his power into your life, but you've got a thing that's blocking that flow. Some of you, the invitation is to literally lay something down, to repent, not shame and not guilt. That's not what it's about. It's about power and openness and surrender and joyful. I can't wait to see what God might do if I give him this thing. I can't wait to see how God might move. If I want to lay down something that matters to me right now, 
For some of you, that's the call on your life today, right here, right now. And the question is, one way you know about that is, well, what do you spend the most amount of time thinking, doing, or spend the most money on? What do you spend the most amount of time thinking about? What do you spend the most amount of time doing? And what do you spend the most money on? Those three things are going to show you the things that are competing for God's heart in your life. They're not bad things, right? The, the only challenge is this. Are you willing to lay all of it at Jesus' feet, hold nothing back, and say, Jesus, you sort it out? Take it. Some of it, Jesus is going to say, that's fine. That's great. It's exactly where it should be. Yes and amen. Some things you're going to hold on to so tight and are so important, and Jesus is going to say, that is important, but it's too high. You need to demote that a few rungs, right? Kind of move that down a few rungs in the importance level because Jesus is Lord. And then some things he might look at you and say, hey, this thing has got to go. And the question over your life and my life, in some instances, are going to be, is Jesus Lord or is this other thing Lord? Is Jesus Lord of your life or something else so important to you that you're not willing to surrender it to Jesus? Because when Christians in Ephesus surrendered to the Lord, some things that really matter to them, the word of God spread widely and grew in power. A couple hundred years ago, there was the Welsh revivals. A bunch of people over in Wales, it began like almost every revival does. They were praying and praying and praying, seeking God, and they started getting convicted about sin in their lives, and they started sort of turning to the Lord and repenting and letting go of some things. Their lives were changed. Then, then the, their larger church community got changed. And then over the course of a couple dozen years, like the whole like, community, like the whole island of Wales, it just blew up spiritually. It was so pervasive. The gospel was so pervasive. It spread so much widely and grew in so much power. People who became Christians, and they were so committed to Christians that fewer and fewer people were locked up in jail. In fact, they started closing prisons in Wales because people became Christians, and they weren't breaking the law anymore. A whole island was changed because Christians repented, released more power. Wouldn't it be awesome if the Chatham County Police Department had nothing to do? Wouldn't it be awesome if jails were empty in Chatham County because the word of the Lord spread in power in Chatham County because us, us little church right here, became so committed to Jesus, we weren't holding anything back and the spirit flowed through us. Wouldn't it be so great if people trapped in cycles of addiction were set free by the power of Jesus because our little church said we're going all in on Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if there was no more domestic violence, no more spouses or kids being beat up because Jesus is Lord and has the power to break every chain, including cycles of violence. Wouldn't it be great if there, were no more, if, if there was no more exploitation, no more human trafficking, no more sex trafficking in Chatham County because Jesus is Lord, people repented, and people came out and said, I'm into the light. Forgive me. I'm, I'm, I'm stopping doing this. I'm changing my behavior. I'm changing my practices. Wouldn't it be great if there, was no, if there was no more racial brokenness here in Chatham County because Jesus is Lord of Chatham County, and he can bring people together who don't come together any other way except Jesus is Lord. Wouldn't it be amazing if the Spirit of God flowed through us and the word of God spread widely and in power. All that happening out there just might start right in here with you and me saying, Jesus is Lord, I'm not holding anything back. I'm giving him everything. And our prayer as we do that is that the word of God might transform us, that we might be more set free and that the word of God might spread widely and in power. Because here's the thing. There are things that are familiar to us, comfortable for us that could block the flow of spiritual power through us. There are things that are familiar to us, comfortable for us, that can block the flow of spiritual power through 
us. This morning, I just want to invite you to be open. That could be what you're watching on TV. It could be what you do on the internet. It could be a hobby. It could be a relationship that you know isn't a good spot, not a good healthy place for you to be. It could be something, a grudge you're holding and nursing, resentment you're holding and nursing. Man, there could be any number of things that could block the flow of the Spirit's power in us and through us. And so the invitation to you and me is to let those things go so the Word of God might spread more widely in you and through you to the community. Who knows what the Word might do with that? I was close with this in my wildly important take-homes. In case you fell asleep or I talked too fast, here's the highlights. Here it is in three minutes, okay? Here's the highlights right here of the whole thing. Today's about important take-homes. In, in Jesus, because of Jesus, through Jesus, you're more powerful than you see or know. You need to see or know it because you are up against more and different kinds of opposition than you can sound, now see or know. And in part because God wired you up to make a bigger and different kind of difference than you can now see or know. Next, human beings, the only thing on earth that do not perfectly obey Jesus. However, there is a layer of spiritual opposition that we're allowed to pray against. I want to invite you to bind the birds in Jesus' name and spirit soften people's hearts in Jesus' name. Next, sometimes people need an experience of God to open the door for conversation about God. I want to be, invite you to be bold in telling people, I'm praying for you. Ask God to do something that you can't do or generate, and let's see what God might do, how he might open up new conversations. You cannot use Jesus' name is spiritual authority. If you haven't first surrendered to Jesus' name and his authority, Jesus is Lord. A great prayer to pray is, Lord, is there anything I can do that might release more spiritual power in me and through me? And the answer might be, be careful about this. The answer might be, there's something that you need to get rid of in order to be more open to that spiritual power and authority flowing through you. My prayer, my hope, Chatham Community Church, is that you might be delighted and surprised at what the Lord might do here in this place to change Pittsburgh, change Chatham County, and beyond, just our little community, doing whatever we can to be as open to the power and the spirit of God, the authority of the spirit flowing in us and through us so that God's kingdom might come, God's will be done here in Chatham Community Church, across Chatham County, and beyond because the good news, great joy, Jesus is Lord. Would we delight in that together and would his authority flow through us in everyday places? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thanks so much for your grace and mercy to us. Thank you for using ordinary people and ordinary things to do extraordinary things. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come, and if there's anything we need to deal with or, or, or address in our own hearts, our own lives, would you help us to let go of that before you? If there's anything coming to mind for my friends here that they need to let go of, would they lay it at your feet? Lord, would we surrender fully to you? Would we be all in on you that you might release more of your power and your grace and your mercy in us and through us? And Lord, for my friends who are here, aren't sure they believe any of this, I pray that your spirit would give them an experience of you. Just some touch, some nod that reminds them that you're here, that you're with them, and that you love them. Lord, would all of us be more awake to the spirit and the work you want to do in us and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Let's stand together as we sing a last song.